Hello, and welcome to the Canyons Are Calling podcast. I'm Charles Jocelyn, your host for the show. So I just have a couple of things before I get into the show today because it's a really long and fun interview. If you guys like geeking out on how things work, you're going to love the How Not To series. Um, Brent Roth and Ryan Jinks cover everything. And then Ryan's channel, How Not To, also covers things like slacklining and climbing and caving and all sorts of things. They break things like carabiners and fiddlesticks and ropes and repel devices. And it lets you know that you can really trust the gear that we have out there. So it is a really awesome interview. And if you guys have not checked out the How Not To videos on YouTube, definitely do that. The whole course on the How Not To website is really great. Brent Roth has put in a ton of work to explain how to canyon and it's really really incredible he covers a lot of information so before i get into the show i'm just going to take one quick second to thank my patreon members i have just ordered some audio equipment for the podcast that i'm super excited about so i'm gonna get the sound better and it is all because of the people that support the show that allow me to financially be able to make huge purchases like that so Thank you very much for everybody that supports me on Patreon, whether it's the $2 or the $20 tier. It all adds up and has allowed me to purchase these kind of things for the show. So I am excited and hopefully the sound quality gets a lot better and you guys notice. Um, if you want to help me on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash the canyons are calling. It's just a place where you can support artists and creators like myself where we don't have sponsors for our show we just do everything ourselves and um, just a way for people to contribute so whether you want to make a one-time donation or a monthly donation it's up to you any amount from two to twenty dollars and with that you get to join us on our monthly canyon calls so this next coming up wednesday we'll be having a canyon chat and we'll just talk about all things canyon um and also, you can join us on our Facebook group page and on Instagram. And we'll have links to those in the show. If you like some stickers or beer glasses or any swag, you can go to thecanyonsarecalling.com. Anyway, I'm going to get on to this episode because it's a really long one. Enjoy. Hello, guys. Today we are here with Ryan Jinks and Brent Roth, the How Not To Canyoneering Corset folks. How are you guys today? Good. Great. Awesome. So, Brent, you are in the Washington area, is that right? Yes. Yeah, I actually live up uh, in the town of Bremerton on the Kitsap Peninsula, across the water from Seattle. Oh, nice. Beautiful. I lived in Federal Way for a little bit. Okay. Before I started canyoneering, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> you missed that window. For sure. <laughs> and, Ryan, you're from California? I am from California. I'm living in Redmond, Washington now, and um, oh. I never did canyoneering until I came up here one time to meet Brent. And then I, while I was up here, won the girlfriend lottery and came back up here to redeem my prize. Oh, so. very nice. <laughs> Does your girlfriend also do canyoneering or no? She's gone down a few now. <laughs> very cool. 
Very nice. So yeah, I can tell from the videos that you are a complete newbie and that that aspect um, is really cool for Brent to kind of um, highlight in the videos and have you just like kind of learn everything about canyoneering. Um, yeah, um, it was interesting. We we ended up filming the course more or less twice, not the whole thing, but from the beginning, because um, when when I wanted to understand the concept really well before we actually got into it. But then once we began filming, I am new. And so I, I'm definitely new to Kenya. I didn't want to come off like I know what I'm doing, but we wanted to make sure like I understood what he was trying to portray overall in the course, since I was going to be editing this thing for weeks and weeks, because you really like in the edit are telling the story of what's going on. And we wanted to keep it simple. And when it got um, complicated, we'd add text on the screen, we'd cut certain things, but it was nice to experiment being the new person on content that I wasn't used to um, making. So because the channel used to be all about slacklining and it kind of slowly morphed into climbing as we found bolting to be like the common ground between the two. And I, so I enter canyoning with this climbing background of climbing big walls, rigging big high lines. And so I'm familiar with ropes, but I'm not actually familiar with hydraulics at all. I avoid any water that's below 80 degrees and prefer 102. So yeah. that was, uh, <laughs> it's really, it's like, it scares the hell out of me when I see like these, um, I don't even know all the terminology, but just, I don't want to get sucked under a rock and get stuck under there. Yeah. Like the rope parts fine for me. And, but like, uh, it's the mystery. I just, when you don't know, under, know something or understand something, you have uh, fear about it. And for some people that's gear fear, if they don't understand the gear. Um, but it was really fun. Recently we went canyoning and after obviously we made this course and i know what i'm looking at now every time brent uh, rigs some mmo emo some releasable system transfers it over to whatever so he can come down so yeah i mean it's kind of neat to see how different the ropes are the rope systems are if you're properly canyoning in a in a, in a wet canyon and, yeah. and the reasons why you would rig let's say releasable versus a static system that i would be used to as a climber as a or climber. a double system. yeah um so did you find the transition confusing at all or was it a pretty smooth were there things that you were like this is crazy um how did it, that it's come? just it's so canyoneering is finding the most dangerous place you can repel and you rig it as <laughs> safely as possible Yes. And you're like, these guys are really interesting and like their priorities. They just sit around and talk about how safe they can make repelling in this thing that I would actively avoid. And so I'm like, okay, sign me up. Oh, I get to wear a wetsuit. Okay, this will probably help. Really thick ones. You can barely move. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're permanently looking like, like a statue. So Brent, how did you get into canyoneering? 
Um, I, yeah, I come from, I come from a whitewater background. I got into, uh, raft guide training and swift water rescue training and stuff. Um, right as I was coming out of the Navy and retired and absolutely loved the whitewater side of things. Um, and I got into technical boating fairly early class four, class five stuff. And in doing the swift, swift water rescue training and stuff, I just found I love being in understanding the hydraulics and being in those places that most people feel very uncomfortable uh, in being and, and it does come from a level of understanding um and the irony of all of this is i am a horrible swimmer like truly you throw me in a swimming pool and, and want want to see me do some laps it ain't gonna happen um uh if, if i'm swimming in the deep end i'm not there very long i'm either pushing off the bottom and coming back up or grabbing the side um i'm a, if i play water polo i have to be allowed to use the ball as flotation that's just the, my rules which wow. is not allowed in water polo so i'm not very good at it um, so it's interesting that I, I, I come to this um, with that lack of a skill set, but I find extreme comfort in an environment that would ter that ter does terrify a lot of other people. Um, and when I got started in the swift water rescue training, um, I was introduced to technical rope systems. Um, I was a just a basic weekend warrior top rope climber and was like oh yeah i love carabiners and ropes and, and doing some stuff but the swift water rescue training and getting in my instructor certs um is was the first like getting into mechanical advantage and pulley systems and all this stuff and i absolutely love that so i pursued that a lot more with i took a 14-day technical rope rescue course um and any anything else i get my hands on and um, learned about canyoneering and the growth that was happening in Washington state. And I was smart enough through life lessons and learning things the hard way. It's like, this is something that I'm going to give it the respect it deserves. And before I just assume I know something, jump in to this environment and started looking for a community or people or somebody to go with. Uh, and I connected with Jake Huddleston, actually invited me on a course that um, Rich Carlson was teaching in Portland. And so okay. I was like, awesome. And went down there and that was my first introduction to actual Canyon systems. And that was four or five years ago. And uh, had a very interesting conversation with Rich about that and my background in, in looking at this sport from a Swiftwater rescue lens of like holy crap there's a lot of like don't don't ever do these things in swift water and we are doing them in the canyon environment you know like reducing snags and drags on your pfd and so nothing gets caught and i'm putting a harness full of rated gear around my waist <laughs> that is not releasable so yeah. that was a little little bit of an adjustment for me um and then I did another course with Andrew Humphreys and uh, George Yates. Um, and that was an ICO Pro course, and that was that was a very good introduction to the European style of what we have going on up here. That made me feel a lot more comfortable in understanding what was going on. It was great learning from those two guys. Like, like they come from a whitewater background. Both of them worked as raft guides, and we had a lot in common. And so we viewed the whitewater parts 
um, the same way. You know, they weren't things we wanted to avoid. They were things we wanted to get into, but we also respected. So how can we get into them safely and go where most people don't dare going, you know, and then it just kind of grew from there. Awesome. So how did you link up with Ryan to start the how not to series? <laughs> well, uh, I, I had seen the channel and I, and I was been watching a few different episodes. And um, as I got more educated in rope systems and whatnot and getting plugged into different communities from AMGA single pitch instructor stuff to search and rescue technical rope work to canyoning, um, anything I can get my hands on, um, you can't help but start to notice differences and hear the dogma, hear the, the rules, and more importantly, the fears everybody has. And it was crazy that the different communities just had these completely different perspectives on these things that were, that were polar opposites. I'll never do this. We always do this. You would, uh, you know, oh, and it was just always, it was just, always tie a knot in the end of your rope. Yeah, <laughs> it was just crazy. You, know, like, wow, you, guys, you guys really oh, maybe talk podcast. to each other. Sorry. Um, so it was like, and then these arguments, in when you're trying to learn and you're hearing these yeah. polar opposites, advice and rules and mm -hmm. heuristics from these people that you kind of respect. I mean, these, these guys are kind of the best of the best, yeah. but they're limited in their field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's where how not to came in. Very useful for me. I was like, look, don't mm -hmm. take my word for it, but just watch this. This doesn't make sense with what you're saying. You know? well, what was and, the first video you, you found? I don't so a lot of it was, you know, I, I found it through other people sharing it. Um, and it was, it, it was probably through one of the forums, the technical rope um, forums through Facebook where somebody posted the video to counter argue something. And I watched it and I was like, this dude is freaking nuts. Like, Okay, I, like, okay, shockloading is a myth where I like shockloaded an anchor with my body. <laughs> yeah, that, that would that was that was the most memorable one. And then <laughs> then I started like going through other ones and I was like, holy shit, this is the same dude. <laughs> like, wait a minute, I've I've already seen a bunch of these videos and didn't even realize it was the same person. Um and then so you know that I then I subscribed and then he uh right after I had done my uh, Canyon training and was like after the first year and starting to see all the stuff that we're doing with guided repels and these philosophies of rescue, uh, you know, like here's how you're going to do a rescue in this situation. And I'm like, I've never seen it done. I've never done it in the actual environment. And I see how not to post a video on can uh, caving. And I'm like, Oh shit. Okay this guy is starting to go out into other things and he's going on to other sports. Heck I'll shoot him an email and see where it goes. So I drafted up, you know, a pretty good email of who I am, where we are, what we do with some pictures of a guided rappel that was actually in Dingford Creek. I'm like, Hey, this is what we're doing. And I kind of like want to know what, where, what are the forces here? Like, what are we dealing with? You know, and then the rescue side of me goes, and what are the forces if I have to do a rescue on this? 
this you know like this is this has got to be a lot yeah. right um and he replied back within like a day and the next thing i know we're planning this trip for him to be up here for you know four or five days wow. um, yeah I, and, I respond to emails either the same day or six weeks later it's never in between <laughs> i don't know i have been lately it's kind of bad but so ryan want to tell us a little bit about the how not to series and what else you cover and how like what you thought about getting into canyoneering yeah um how not to was um a pilot for another channel i was doing that i never ended up doing because how hard can highlining the slackline kind how hard can it be i'm going to make about 10 videos and teach everything there is to know and about four videos in uh i realized most people don't have the answers that i needed to like make each concept i i opened up a rabbit hole and then um and it wasn't until like two years later that i needed to break some sewing loops because then you don't have to use a web lock which is heavy to carry you can just connect it right to your anchor and i'm like oh wow sewing loops are amazing but i didn't want to ship it all the way across the states so i was like well i'm going to be cheap and have somewhere local do it but like if they fail you die so i'm going to make sure like i'm going to do my proper due diligence and break test different things how many bar tacks does it take to get so i got nerdy real mm -hmm. fast and i learned that ram pullers on amazon have a 24 inch throw which is you're not breaking any you're not even getting the slack out of a system with 24 inches of pull especially when you're testing nylon sewing loops right so then mm -hmm. i got a second one and connected them together and then i got a cable puller and then I realized if your cable puller handle is in line with the cable, you're going to whack yourself. <laughs> and then I built a, and then I, there's a, a, where I had a slack line, there's trees in like a semicircle. And so I was able to create a two to one to 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 my van. So I could pull and you have to make each one increasingly bigger. So I could pull the end with my van and create. 50,000 pounds of force. Why would I want 50,000 pounds of force, you ask? Because that's what was on sale on eBay for $400 was this load cell oh my God. that was rated 50,000 pounds. If you don't know, those load cells are heavy. <laughs> my mom tried to pick it up to put the package in my house when I was out of town one time. She had to leave it outside because it weighed so much. So oh, wow. I ended up building this entire slack snap rectangle metal machine you see today around this $400 poorly decided purchase <laughs> to make this super strong flex. And when you really don't break things over 50 kilonewtons 99% of the time, if you're just testing knots or carabiners or whatever. So I completely overbuild and overkill all of this. And the channel ends up becoming about breaking gear because that's what's getting the most clicks. That's what's uh, unique instead of me just being an echo chamber of what's already on the internet. And then as a climber, it kind of crosses over because I'm highlining and slacklining in Yosemite. So we need to also climb the Lost Arrow Spire to rig the Lost Arrow Spire. So we start breaking carabiners and a couple of things. Well, then we're like, well, bolts become a big topic. And so people get really, um, 
emotional about bolting <laughs> and <laughs> and it's really interesting uh now that i've spent five years in the bolting world writing the bolting bible and getting into basically how you do it because again there's a lot of um dogmas about how to do stuff like cleaning the hole like there are other things you really need to focus on besides cleaning the hole you should make sure your glue is mixed or make sure your hole is straight there's just like other things but it's also not rocket science and i think so many people treat it as if they got a phd in the topic before they put in their first bolt and i assure you they did not <laughs> it is amazing how little people know about bolts who are putting in bolts when they think they know a lot about bolts so well i would like to test them and i meet this guy who read the bolting bible who was a climber and i'm like what are you reading this thing for i wrote it for highliners and so bobby is in well over 100 videos now and bobby and i create a plan i learn hydraulics for reels this time and we end up we're now we have broken 450 bolts in all sorts of scenarios testing bolts and glues and hangers and everything and our goal is a thousand we'll probably still reach it and the bolting bible when probably in the spring will be equivalent of 400 pages long and bolting connects no pun intended all these sports together where mm -hmm. it's a common ground just like if you if we make not videos it's kind of like crosses over really well into like these other sports and so um a caver offered to send me a 50 year old rope because they leave them permanently in caves and then they replace them hopefully more than every 50 years yeah and so i'm like well that sounds interesting and i am not focused at all so i'll test that and make a video about it on my slackline channel that video led me to go caving with somebody and that caving led me to go with Brent canyoning and I'm now breaking gear fear, which was a really cute slogan somebody gave me um, for all extreme sports, meaning anything with ropes. And um, I'm finding that I'm a little too distracted. So I kind of stopped and I only do it now for climbing, slacklining, canyon and caving. Yeah, canyons and caving. So just, I just really kind of focus on the four um i've now got six requests for saddle hunting didn't even know saddle hunting was a thing what is saddle hunting it's where you sit in a tree and wait for the deer to come to you uh, <laughs> oh wow and so you have this entire community that sits in a tree for hours are they roped into the tree with a harness and stuff roped is in. they're they they're not arborists in a tree okay. with ropes probably drinking yeah. and Bug and light. And they're like, I have nothing to do except look at this rope they're attached to and wonder like how safe or not safe it is. And so I'm like, it's interesting how many communities have gear fear. Yeah. And now that I'm in canyoning, and the more I canyon with Brent, the more I can see where either there should be gear fear <laughs> or, or like, oh, climbers, I'm literally typing right now anchor concepts for the big wall course I'm doing. And, and so many people get into this equalized anchor crap. Whereas Brent's just EMO blocking one bolt and the other bolts just there for decoration, right? Like it's redundant, but it's not equalized. 
but you're putting on one kilonewton repelling, that thing's 20 or 30 kilonewtons strong and it's backed up to the other. So like you, you have a really safe system, but climbers would lose their mind over that. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun to cross pollinate all these sports as I've learned about the BT Prusik and now I use it in big walling and we're teaching the big wall course now. So now we're incorporating this thing I've learned through the Canyon stuff over here. And I realized one of the epics I had that I actually called search and rescue for could have been solved with a knot block where we had one rope stuck out of our two ropes needed full repels. Yeah. And we could have not blocked it. And it's like, wow, knowledge weighs zero grams. And if you realize, if you really think about that, if I can package this stuff in a way that's really easy for people and fun for people to consume, um, hopefully there's less search and rescue calls. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and we're not going to ever prevent them all, but right. it's nice, like, in 2022, we should have, like, we shouldn't have some of these questions we have. It's really weird that we have myths floating around on the internet that I still see occasionally. And I'm just like, how do you still think that with the internet? Like, don't you have access to the internet? <laughs> it's not just me preaching some of this stuff. It's like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, if it's 20 to one safety ratio, do you need a, do you need it to be redundant? Or do you have yeah. like, I don't need to get into all the <laughs> anger. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, why is the slow pitch not okay in a waterfall? <laughs> but but I noticed you guys My name's have two different cultures just in America about dry canyons and wet canyons. Yeah. And in different um, priorities during rappelling. And I've mm, I have done one dry canyon, but when you're in water flow, especially this, this, this is interesting. I've never seen a sport that incorporates so many new people down a canyon. So I think also because my experience with Brian is he's taking maybe more new people than and another person since he has enough gear for 10 people, it seems like. Right. Um, <laughs> The difference between Brent and a guide is Brent doesn't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that but, now. <laughs> no, but like, if you're going to bring a bunch of new people big walling, I would probably big wall differently, you know? So yeah. it's, if you're going to be in flow, you're going to be in water, you're having people who are repelling with these thin ropes without knots on the end down a waterfall. Yeah. You're probably going to be into releasable systems or, or should be. <laughs> yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on that brent um yeah the, the the concept of retrievable and releasable two things retrieval meaning how do i get my rope back and releasable meaning what can i do rescue wise or at the top once i build an anchor seem to be so unique to the canyoning the moving water side of canyoning thing but then after learning about it it's applicable to so many other areas of problem solving you know andy kirkpatrick wrote that book down and it's literally a one inch thick book that covers retrievable systems like there's so many and i i 
It was a very good read. The guy is, I love the way he writes. And I don't know how many times he said in there that this should not be your plan A, plan B, plan F or Z. Like he's <laughs> talking about that when everything else has failed, you can still get home in the evening or get down outside of, you know, 12 hour span. It was supposed to be a two hour tour. Um, and, uh, in in some of those, it was like, oh, those are plan A systems for some canyoneers. Um, and so, that, again, that perspective of where you're coming from and how you're looking at it. And then I just started thinking, I'm like, where else can these systems, where else do they apply to? You know, can they apply into search and rescue systems, which is a whole nother religion, if you want to call it, of rope work. <laughs> uh, that is open. <laughs> opening perspectives. Um, but yeah, I love releasable systems, but I don't absolutely use them every time if I don't need to. So again, coming from, for me, a learning, it's about learning about the environment and learning about all the tools that you have and the right tool for the right job. So there is no one system that is always going to be the right answer or always be the most safe is because you're in an always changing environment. Um, so that's, that's my yeah. take. Or the more, you know, literally the more fun you can have. I don't want to say you really want to be safe or whatnot. It's like I, when I used to race downhill mountain bikes, like I wore body armor and helmets just so I could ride another day because I hated being injured and not being able to ride for a day or worse yeah. a week. For 12 weeks, because I'm in a cast, you know? Yeah. Uh, which those are the days that I wasn't wearing the proper safety gear. So it's kind of the same thing with this, I think. If I know the right systems and I can move more efficiently, it's more time for me to enjoy why I went there, you know? I'm not racing the clock. I'm not racing hypothermia, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. People get or whatever. It's like, no, these are just simple solutions. And, and that's, that's where I like approaching learning these things from that aspect, not because you have to, or it's safer or because somebody else is telling you, you have to, it's like, you know, literally it's an opportunity to enjoy it more. Yeah. I know here, like we don't have a ton of wet canyons, but we do have canyons that hold water. Um, so the first time I went through Imlay Canyon, I wore my three two wetsuit and I, no i think it was my no it was my three two at that time and i was getting hypothermic like partway through and my friends started having me do jumping jacks they gave me their extra neoprene layers were giving me snacks like hiking me out to the sun right away and the next time i went through i rented a dry suit from zion adventure company they gave me three uh thermal layers they're like put two on when you start the canyon if you get hot take one off if you get cold put the other one on and i was yep. so comfortable i was like laying in the potholes just like lounging around swimming and my friends are like hurry it's cold but i was really really comfortable and it completely made a difference on my thoughts of the canyons a lot of times two people will ask about the subway and I'm one that will carry a shorty wetsuit through the subway in July because I like to be comfortable in the water and I get really cold really easy. So my friends think I'm ridiculous, but that's what is going to make me comfortable in the canyon. And I know that. 
So they don't have to carry the wetsuits, but they don't need them. And it definitely, definitely makes a difference with the water protection for sure. Yeah. Um, even in the swift water side of the things, it's like I'm a big proponent of having the right gear, being comfortable for, for several reasons. Uh, with raft guides, we always say prepare, prepare for the swim, not for the, not for the float. You know, it's like, well, it's so hot out. And like hey, that water's 40 degrees. Yeah. You find yourself right. in that water for a significant amount of time for a particular reason, you become useless very quickly. <laughs> so prepare for the swim. Yeah. So it's like, you know, canning is the same way. I think you prepare for the worst. I, uh, the coldest I've ever been in a canyon was in a Southwest Canyon. It was crazy. Um, we went and did Inglestead. And mm. the beta was, oh, yeah, we don't we don't need wetsuits. <laughs> the great part is I had a wetsuit on that trip. I had everything down there, but we were, oh, no, let's go with the current beta. Well, it also had snowed a day or two before. Oh, and geez. those potholes were full. There was no flowing water, and we wasted a lot of time up front waiting. Think was doing pretty well, and they got to the point. The first pool was like the way, and I went in fully submerged, and uh, I I was shivering so hard, like it was bad. And with uh, I've done woofer training and stuff uh, several times, and so I was monitoring my own like what's going on with my body right now, and mm. it was impressive that when when it was getting back like if we need to move and to move quickly uh this is what i need and this is what other people need how the group because we all had very similar went from it was still fun but went from a couple of people rigging and we were just taking our time to leapfrogging and like i never stopped so like once once that point it happened through that everybody pulled it together and it was pretty awesome to see because everybody knew what to do everybody knew that this is now more urgent um and it wasn't panic mode you know it was just simply like yeah this is no more dilly dallying you know let's let's yeah. move and move quickly that's so awesome. that's that, yeah that's another part of it you know is your personal preparedness but also the preparedness of your team like Come ryan said like I do take a lot of new people, but I'm very selective of where I go, what the conditions are, are what, what are my mm -hmm. bailout plans. But to go into a new place with, with people, with a team that you trust, that have a certain level of training, makes a world of difference. Yeah, because sometimes when you have that sense of urgency and a couple of people in the team don't have that same sense of urgency, things can still go bad pretty quickly. Kind of yeah, as, as a team. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a term that I use that I've heard other people use when, when you go into guide mode. You know, when it's like, oh, this this trip isn't going the way we planned, and so I step in, and it changes it for me. It's like I was not planning on you know working today, so to speak. But yeah. now, like now, I'm hustling. I'm not enjoying it, and it's like, yeah, I get a little bit more selective then, and who I'm gonna go boating with or canyoning with because i don't feel like going in guide mode today you know i want to enjoy the yeah. day That's as the person you have guided and taken several new people through canyons i know exactly what you mean <laughs> yeah, right 
Yeah. And there's groups that you go with that will share in the rope work. And there's groups that you go with that watch you pull every freaking rope. And that is ridiculous, right? <laughs> like we can all step it up and help pull in bag ropes. Yeah. We're well, all enjoying the time. <laughs> that all starts with, you know, um, a level of training. You know, yeah. if everybody has some common training um, in the technical side, but as well as the culture side. And that's where it was that one group that I ran into, it was very, it was a very different culture, you know, and you run people with from different cultures, you're like, this is this, I'm not enjoying this, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not saying one's right and wrong or whatnot, but it's just different, you know, so you're not thinking, progressing mm -hmm. the same. I noticed Facebook groups too are so divided. It's so weird. <laughs> I try to stay off of them because of that reason, like, get good information about you know, what's going on, but try to stay away from people's opinions on certain topics. <laughs> yeah. If, if you have a good filter for that, then I would say try to avoid those as much as possible. And unfortunately, people who don't have good filters, usually they don't know they don't yeah. have good. And exactly. so they, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, so it must be absolute. And like, that was a thought-provoking question, meaning it was a question I asked to get you to think, not saying that what I'm implying is what I... <laughs> is what? Yeah. Spot on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's switch back to the How Not To series. I know you guys have covered several things on canyoneering. You have a whole, like, list of topics that you've covered. Do you want to kind of go over what you've covered and if there's plans for anything else? Um, how the corset works because yeah so we didn't it, we didn't want anybody to think it was a, a canyon course course like you're gonna watch this course and you're gonna go canyon so we're like we thought it was really funny to call it a corset which we do have some video somewhere of um one of us wearing a corset oh you <laughs> but, do that's hilarious um, <laughs> we, we the, uh, i haven't seen that one yet it's the nsfw <laughs> content um <laughs> but awesome. yeah so we we wanted to put like good effort into it but we didn't want people to be like we just want to put it out there so many like bringing back the facebook groups you get roasted right the comment section yeah. is a, a pretty interesting place to spend time in and it's i find that you can really mitigate the troll patrol if you don't try to act like um this is the end all be all and what's nice is like I try to partner up with people who don't have a big ego because um and people who know stuff because then they present it in a way that's not just going to be like um a stake for meat bees to come and just bring somebody back down to neutral. If you start at neutral, you're you're good. Right. And so working with Brent um was really nice because he already had written this thing at least the foundation of it and i'm finding the a to z content does better when we have um at least a foundation of the written material first then yeah. you make the videos and then you polish each of those um videos into a blog that's well written but he had that he obviously knew all these things and he broke it down in a, in a way that could be dissected it was pretty risky to do an a to z content of something that's niche of a niche of like 
like it's it's i'm surprised we got as many views as we did but the strategy of putting on youtube with um clever thumbnails and uh not titles that say canyon course one of ten like you just you're not no one's gonna find it right and and, and i want people to find the information if you click on that and you're like not for me i've literally got 400 other things to entertain you while you go to the bathroom but if yeah. you really want to learn canyon rope systems you're in the right place and then you can decide which one works for you your canyons and your context and i wanted we could have done it in three videos right in theory but mm. we wanted to break it down well enough we probably could have avoided doing the overall the overall first video and just like but it was our first a to z and now that i did the big wall course also a to z also at brent's house um <laughs> with somebody else brent was fishing um because awesome. <laughs> he's he's got the wall for it it yeah. uh we're learning how to make a to z content right because break tests were a very big part of this channel and i want a to z content to be a big part so then I can combine the two. And in this Canyon course, we combined on the last, technically four videos, we combined break tests and pull tests into the course. Now, in a, if I had all the time and money in the world, I would have incorporated the break tests into each video as we went, a really short version. And mm -hmm it's it's really hard when you're limited on time and money as once the camera turns off a one-man show i had at least 100 maybe 200 hours editing this thing and um and then brent wrote 90 percent if not more right but then we had to get the website up in order to release it is so it was a google doc for like the first few months it was out but now it's really nice if you have seen the videos and you haven't been on the website go to the website because now it's all broken down really nicely in the blogs updated with everything we've learned from the feedback we get and what's great about the numbers we can get through the youtube because people go to youtube to google everything right they're like that's how you learn you go i'm gonna youtube it it's a verb yeah <laughs> and so it's, it's easy to share in that format even if a long video is like you share that time stamped portion or whatever we were able to get quite a bit of feedback that we were able to add to that. And it's kind of this cool feedback loop. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the, the big picture of why it exists the way it does in a weird YouTube format rather than on Skillshare or whatever platforms people put courses on. Gotcha. So it's how not to on YouTube and what is the website? If you go to hownotto.com, under courses, you can find the Canyon Rope systems. Okay. And if and that's the best way because then the main that main textbook of Canyon Rope Systems, it has all 10 videos listed there. Of course, you can go to the YouTube channel and find the playlist Canyon Rope Systems. But really, about. like the meat, <laughs> the meat is in the blog because it like tells you what order to go through this chain of 10 videos and why they exist and what you're gonna learn. That would make more sense to the person that's watching the videos too i'm sure yeah yeah the written is you can't do everything in a video and you can't do everything in written form and so it's nice having a blog with every video and a video with every blog 
but I've enjoyed, I watched you break the descenders, the fiddlesticks mm -hmm. and stuff. And then the very first one where you were learning how to cannoneer, I thought that was hilarious. Um, yeah. So I, I try to introduce new thing I'm doing with a, Hey, I'm doing this video and it's just nothing more than this exists. I didn't know intentionally going down a river was like a thing until I met Brent. I'm like, what is that? Like you're the look on your face when I said saddle hunting was my look on my face when I learned about it. <laughs> okay, now you're like, what? <laughs> Sorry, Brent, you're here in the saddle hunting <laughs> category. Yeah, okay. So like highlining, you, if you've been to Yosemite, you might have seen a highliner, right? If you're in Moab, you might see a highliner because you can see us. Most yeah. people are crossing a river and then they're leaving the river. They don't, they don't see people in the thing. So, I mean, social media posts probably can spread canyoneering more than in Canyon canyoneering happens. Right. But, um, at least in, in the wet canyons I'm in, I don't see non canyoneers. Yeah. So, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people who aren't trying to be in the canyons. Yes. They just didn't walk upon it. But um <laughs> yeah, what was how do you how did the course turn out for you, Brent, as as a finished product compared to what you thought uh it could uh, or would be? I'll take that one step farther. It's like how how, how do I feel about where we're at versus where I thought was going to happen? Um, you know, initially I sent you the email, you came up to visit. I was like, I'm going to take them to the canyon. And I'm like, man, I really want to see, personally, I want to see some tests on these things and then also deliver a message of safety. This is canning. There's risk involved. Like, boom, here, here it is. And it's not, hey, let's grab our rope and a PFD and go try this. Like, no, because I was... <laughs> Starting to see that. I was definitely starting to see that in working with the Seattle Mountaineers group and teaching courses in yeah. you know mid July. You seeing a somebody with a kayaking PFD and a climbing rope, and it was like, holy crap, this is this is exploding, you know. Um, so that was my motivation. That's what I thought we started. And I had it all I had a spreadsheet, I had it all planned out. It's like this is where we're gonna go. We're gonna I want to do these things here and like capture this and, and like I'd never seen Ryan's process before. How does this work? And I'm a little bit more, I would say, I don't know if I'm higher neurotic than Ryan, but I am definitely a little bit more militant and like I'm, I'm, <laughs> Trying to adapt to the 70% rule of my life of like things that I do at 70% are usually more than acceptable to everybody else. But I, but I don't yeah. put it out because I want it to be 100%. And the problem is that most people don't know the difference between 70 and 100%, but I do. So I've, I have a plethora of projects and stuff that I had been working on and ideas. And this is also my learning process. Like when I'm trying to learn something, I open up a document and I, and I write and, and like what Ryan said, the content um, of you can't learn, I can't learn everything from just reading or watching a video. It's like I learn it's, it's processing information. So for me to collaborate all that information in one spot and construct something, I'm like, okay, this is how I view this and then be able to read that. 
So when we went into the canyon, we did some things. He's like, yeah, let's just take it easy. Well, one, he showed up at the house, saw the gear and was like, holy shit, you've got a lot of time and, and need an outlet. I'm like, why do you think I called you? Um, and then, <laughs> and then stuff like very quickly, I scheduled four days. We were done in two. And he's like, yeah, I probably got like seven, you know, videos worth, worth of content here. And I'm like, what what do you mean like we did there was no rehearsals there was no script we didn't do it <laughs> jam this together black i was like yeah pretty much i'm like okay well what do you want to do he's like well actually it was can you you mind stopping in seattle for for lunch um which was my girlfriend um and then let's go back to the house and stuff and stuff we come up with i'm like okay well sure so we we stopped for lunch uh, so Story. I met Andrea and then came back to the house and then he was just like here uh how about we do this you just do that just 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 put your gear up and walk me through what what gear you need in a canyon and I'm like okay um like now he pulls out his phone and hits record he's like yeah go and starts talking and I start talking He's he's yeah. like one of those dolls. If you just turn the thing in the back and then like let him go, it's like talk about canyons, go. Yeah. And then oh, there it is. <laughs> Do it forever. And episode. And it was like, and then one of the evenings I sat down and I let him hear into to my Google Drive. And I was like, hey, check out this document. There's this concept I've been working on. And it, it is canyon, it's rope systems used in canyoning. But I was trying to convey it in a more digestible way that these systems, the way I learn and understand it, are everywhere. Just into these categories. So I categorize and, and like, holy crap. And all of these other things are applicable everywhere else. So this information has more value than just canyoners. But that's where I'm starting it from. And he's like, dude, this is like a whole corset like we could break this down and then you know ryan's brain starts going and i'm like wait what you want to do like it's like yeah then and the next morning i don't know how much he slept but he had this sheet of paper with these blocks of the redesign website and these new concepts and he's talking about the rebranding of from how, how to how not to was was happening and i'm like holy crap this is like is this for real like is this the direction this is going like this was not really planned you know and then from there it was we scheduled another time he came back up and uh in between there i went down to the lab got the brake test some stuff um and you want to talk about how to how to plan well the vt pressing video if you haven't seen that that was i was two days out of showing up down there and he calls me up and he's like hey brent I got to do a VT VT pressing video. Do you have Do you have a VT? I'm like, yeah. What size? He's like, they come in different sizes. I'm like, well, yeah. There's seven and eight millimeter. He's like, well, uh, how about both? I'm like, well, I got four of each size. He's like, will that work? He's like, are you serious? And then I started asking him questions about VTs that he didn't know the answers to. Like, well, what are you trying to do? And like, what are you trying to get at? And he's like, hey. How do you feel about doing a, a video about VT Presics? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I brought my <laughs> VT on and and we finished up some projects that he was working on and then literally had a brief conversation. And I was like, hey, here's some tests that I would love to see. 
And he turns on the camera. He's like, okay, let's talk about VT Pressix. And we had an episode. So no planning, off the cuff. And it's very challenging to me. It's like I get to preview a video, but I am at zero process uh, part of the editing process. That is all Ryan. It's like it's, it's a major trust thing of like I just here, here here's, here's black everything <laughs> like open together well of my message that i wanted to convey and it works and it works pretty well because i think he he does a he's very good at what he does and puts out he puts out something that i would probably never do because i'm still stuck with accepting that 70 percent, and it's like yeah this this God, it's out nope. there. It's now on YouTube. Hey, your nope. video went live. Like, okay. So one of our <laughs> slogans, one of the slogans on the channel is super good enough, super which good was enough. something my friend coined. And it's my mantra for life. And I know he will, he needs somebody with a super good enough attitude to work with him because the VT Prusik has 42,000 views on it right now. I checked the Sharpie. Wow how to mark a rope because i'm like there's rope markers you have rope marker material uh, and, and so it literally in an hour with no prep we can film what i call a gold episode things that most people in my audience want to know it crosses multiple sports all the checks all the lists right yeah and he's a walking encyclopedia because he's sitting on the 70 percent right where i have yeah. to work up to the 70 percent and I also struggle from procrastinating perfectionism, but I like con constantly am fighting it, right? Yeah. Um, and so I like the idea of if I had people like Brent who really knew the topic and wanted to have an outlet for sharing information, because he obviously loves sharing information, but he wants it to be like, you know, edited well, represented well, and what he, he's trying to get across. It's a lot a lot a lot of work to start a youtube channel today from scratch um yeah. we're at 115,000 subscribers been around for six years most people have heard of something we've done even if they don't recognize the brand how not to or most people ironically don't know my name which is funny i say it in almost every video but it's irrelevant <laughs> but um it's nice to like bobby bobby with the bolts brent with the canyons and stuff and the like the vts the, sharpie so it's like they they can have this outlet without having to do the channel without having to like brent can edit a video but without having to spend 20 hours editing i spent uh 250 hours editing the 14 uh video big wall series and wow. um some of the the hour long nice videos we'll put out we'll do 60 hour edits rarely do i ever get to do four hours anymore like i used to of an edit because once you see something you can't unsee it and yeah. I used to paint houses for a living. And now I do this full time trying to make this viable because like this is, I think, worth spending all my time doing. Um, and yeah, it's it's nice to have this thing that Brent can use. And when he had the Rick Canyon rope systems, what I also liked was it wasn't something else that was on the Internet. There's already um, the other Canyon introduction courses that are out there and uh v7 correct yeah v7 
them, yeah. So v- V7, even their first one's free, right? There's no like edge there. They're like, they already did it. It's good. It's it's right. It's helped. It's it's available. That's all I care about. I'm not trying to reinvent other people's wheels here. No. So um, big walling is usually the books are written by people who are really, really, really good or really, really, really niche. And I'm a really, really average big waller. And I think I actually bring an angle to big walling that um, helps more people if they're new instead of being some of these demigods that climb da- uh, walls for 20 days. Like, you're just like, I can't relate. So I don't know what our next canyon step is going to be because that's more of Brent's more plugged into those Facebook groups. He knows what the culture is. He knows canyoning. and. I don't spend almost any time in my own comment section, let alone Facebook groups. Like I, I don't have the time and it also right. irritates me. And so, um, the next thing Brent and I want to do, which we've already started filming is, uh, compliments what I've already started years ago and that's bolting. So talking about the conversation about bolting and canyons, okay. we already talk about in the bolting Bible, you know, how to drill the hole, clean the hole, place the stuff in the hole, pros and cons to glue-ins. And he loves removable bolts because canyons are a ever-flowing thing. Get it? Yes. So <laughs> if there's changes in levels of water, um, damage from debris, and it's like, oh, wow, you guys have a whole different thing you think about when you're trying to place bolts. And then you have people butting heads on putting in cheap bolts versus somebody trying to do it good versus somebody trying to like just, um, some people are bolting for like everyone for 200 years and some people are just trying to go down the canyon. Like I'm trying with the bolting Bible to get everyone to think two or 300 years out. Like Mars is not a good plan B. And so it's like, (laughs) I'll agree. We can, we can keep bolting and rebolting stuff, but you eventually going to have Swiss cheese at every anchor station. And there's no reason to put in things that'll rust, especially in a water environment. Uh, In the desert, you can get away with a little bit more, but um, I also don't like over bolting. And I also like, bolting to prevent damage on rocks for example i don't know enough of the culture in southwest but if you're getting rope grooves could a single um uh, powder coated bolt so you don't it's not ugly could that help avoid um rope grooves and it's just it's just an interesting conversation to have right in the bolting bible and having the new website allows us to expand it without it overwhelming people as a 400 page pdf but now it's like um, 10 to 20 blogs. So, so it's is like your bolting Bible thing, is that on the how not to website as well? Yes. And also under courses right next to the okay. Canyon Road systems. So I want to check that, that out. That sounds cool. Yeah. That, that main textbook is just a blog that leads you like a spider web to wherever you want to go. Okay. And so you can chase whatever rabbit down you want as yeah. they are all interlinked to each other and not by some algorithm. Like I, personally write down where you should go next so it's not like it has related posts at the bottom so it's very much like a book 
but I can change it all the time and add things. We're going to add 50 pages of a, a, a caving bolting section. Um, but that's our next focus is bolting because there's nothing else out there that is A to Z on bolting in canyons in an educational edutainment style. Awesome. We want to make a dent where, where it makes the biggest dent. Yeah. I think that's a great goal. And then if people want more information, they can always take a course and get the correct information before they take beginners down mm -hmm. canyons. <laughs> I'm hoping, and this is probably a great place to play, uh, place this. I'm <laughs> hoping to find someone who disagrees with Brent, who can still articulate things nicely, know, ver know a lot, and have two sides of the conversation in the same document. Even in the canyon rope systems, if people don't like right. something or want to add to it, they literally at the bottom of each one, it's like, add your thoughts. Yeah. Except it's not a Facebook group where you can just brain fart something without thinking. It's yeah. like, if you want to put, if you want to contribute a thought that's not in here, that will help people and it doesn't agree with us, that's okay. If yeah. it does agree with us, even better. But we want it to be more of a community thing and i'm not trying to like just i'm just in the pacific northwest that's just where i am it's going to be very heavily focused on that but man i would love to have southwest Kenyans or european new zealand mm -hmm. different people in the different cultures talking about why they bolt things the way they do yeah because that's that stirs up a lot of uh opinions real quick when you bring up bolts yeah, it kind of does. There's so many bolt wars, especially out in this area. You go through a canyon and there's bolts in it. You go through the next time and they're gone. And it's like, I don't understand why. why. Like there was we one time I went through a canyon and instead of the bolt that was on the right side, you're repelling off of a few kind of branches that are about the size of your pinky finger. There's like five of them together. And I'm like, to me, I feel more comfortable going off of a bolt over here than these twigs that just don't seem very bomber. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if people are adding webbing around things in right. the name of not bolting, that's not. And if the bolt is there and there's already a hole there and you take yes. the bolt out, like the damage has already been done. So. Um, one of the most Unless it's causing rope grooves, like you mentioned earlier, but that particular place was not, like, I feel like that bolt could have stayed and been fine. There is places like in Spry um, Canyon in Zion, where I know that Tom Jones has gone in. There's one particular rappel. It looked like a comb. There were just so many rope grooves in the sandstone. And so they moved the bolts over to this other area and that, there hasn't hardly been any grooves at all in that one um the last time i went through it so and it's a way better rappel like you kind of can weight the rope before you get over the edge which i kind of like and then you go down into this really deep dark black slot and so to have the placement there i think was a way better spot but there's way more and it's, and it's for people to understand if they're rappelling off of a bolt uh it has to be placed really 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 badly to be dangerous like really yeah. badly. Otherwise it's really bomber and you can trust it. And I think that helps people like it's worth having that in there. If you know, it's super bomber versus the twigs, 
one of our most interesting videos we've had was that there was a guy who hated what I was doing because I was bolting on his turf mm. and he's um, not all there. And so he like wanted to kill me for years. Like he gets really emotional about this stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I meet the guy for the first time in El Cap Meadow. And we have a conversation for three hours that I cut down to 30 minutes or whatever. And, and we talk, he talks, he talks. <laughs> um, and, and it was interesting for me to put him on the channel. We've made a video of him just berating me for whatever. And just, and then I didn't need to talk a lot. Everyone knows what I think if they've seen the other videos, but, mm -hmm. uh, it would be fun to see if we could get a version of that, of somebody who's just chopping bolts, mm -hmm. obnoxious, putting in cheap stuff. And somebody who's willing to be on camera and right. stand for why they do what they do. Right. Because I like going both sides. If people are like, hey, mm -hmm. I want to do canyons too, but I've got 50 bucks. And you're like, well, there are solutions for that. But uh, <laughs> they, don't bolt things if you can't afford it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, but, if anybody has an alternate opinion than Brett's and wants to reach out to Ryan, that would be awesome. We could get some <laughs> other opinions on this. If you don't have an alternate opinion on bolts, I can talk about PFDs and canyons. I can talk about releasable systems. Uh, I, the list goes on. The, the debates Ooh, are out hosting. there. <laughs> Do you okay, guys do a lot of ghosting out there in the Pacific Northwest or? Um, no, we don't. Uh, and yeah. there's some particular reasons reasons we don't. And it's not that we're opposed to it. It's just ghosting. I feel ghosting. like particularly is not safe in a wet environment, but that well, could just be my opinion and I don't know. Here's a question. How do you rig releasable, exactly. a releasable off of a ghost, a ghosting? Right. Like state. I mean, the only one I could think of is if you're doing like a releasable webbing string where you have, you know, like the webbing with the two rings on it, and then you don't yep. have a pole cord, but you have another rope. Yep. Maybe. So call that. Um, so yeah, they're they're out there. So it is definitely a skill that I think is good to have, particularly people that are doing exploratory first descents or whatnot. It's like you run out of if you run out of anchor material for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, or just ran a canyon and you're like, uh, crap, this canyon got obliterated in the, during the winter because, um, we do get a lot of changes, uh, every winter. I went, went into a canyon, there was avalanche debris, snow was melted everywhere else, but the canyon had a um, ton right. of snow, bolts were shredded, webbing was tore off. Um, so it was like, yeah, do you have, do you have that thing in your back pocket of how to rig really, or, are retrievable, but then also maintain the safety constraints of releasable. And there's a system I came up mm -hmm. with, maybe make it on the blog or something where it does, it does take all those marks and I carry a little thing, a little pouch uh, with me that I, I've got skills to, to do that. So, yeah. um, but the, the, the other big conversation is the flotation PFD thing. Um, that that's a little close to my heart coming from a swift water rescue background and also seeing seeing people go into full panic mode because they don't have enough flotation in a canyon and not understanding what a real hydraulic 
looks and feels like is like again i'll go back to my policy it's not just about being safe it's like you are no longer enjoying your day when you're panicking for your life why Why? to that and that's where more flotation notice i did not say pfd but anyway i hope to have an episode out about that because i really want to address that yeah i feel like you kind of covered it in that beginning video that you did but i mean people you got to understand you're swimming with a backpack, your shoes, your clothes, your wetsuit, like that stuff is heavy and it gets more heavy when it gets wet. So it's yep. not like you're in your bikini in Hawaii, yeah. whatever. <laughs> like it is hard. Definitely. That, that's why I think do an episode on that of like, sweet, let's, let's get somebody of the opposed opinion and go into um, an environment with proper safety and, and see, like do these things do these skills with and without these this equipment and right. can so, it be so done I, sure should it be done maybe right. not <laughs> i think that could be valuable in hearing you know when somebody goes yeah. into something's like yeah that i don't ever want to do it again i'm like there you go that's 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 evidence right I've, yeah let's be safe so we can just do it another day because it's so fun out there right it's simple. It can be so healing until it's not. <laughs> I think Brent's sitting on a lot of information that I think would be interesting for people because I also got my pulse on just the general public looking for general things just because this information crosses over more than just canyoning. Mm -hmm. So that's why we'll um, um, procrastinate and open carabiners with ropes and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we ended up opening auto locking carabiners, triple auto locking, quad locking carabiners, screw gates, quick links. Yeah. We opened it without our hands with just a rope and just like, and most of it was like a unrealistic scenario. And the comments in this thing that went viral with seven and a half million views, probably 10 million now wow. is, is um, because I kept posting these on Instagram as just like these five second clips. And then <laughs> we show like it's what it is, put on the rope and he just jerks it down and it comes off like a magic trick. And you can wow. see like what he's doing. And then you're like, that's unrealistic. You're creating gear fear. What are you doing? I had most dislikes on this thing. Like that would <laughs> never happen. The very next comment says, this happened to me that would never happen the next comment this happened to my brother-in-law next comment it's just like and and since that's been out right now people obviously message me and tell me whenever their carabiners open and uh, <laughs> and they'll send me pictures from the tree that they're yeah. in as arborists showing me that a triple auto locker is open that was closed and it's like and now when i see ropes rubbing Crazy. things like the gate you're like mm -hmm. wow and it helps you i think understand the gear and and that was just brent procrastinating starting to film because we were tired and it's just overwhelming to even start on video one that we technically already filmed and right. um, yeah. so he's got a bunch of nuggets that i like to pull out while he's trying to accomplish something else <laughs> you know it's crazy that you brought that up because i had this one carabiner that I had on my harness for a while. And I would get to the bottom of the rappel and every time it was undone. And I would get to the top of the rappel. I'm like, I know I 
tighten this beaner down, right? And I would get to the bottom and again, it's undone. And like several times with that same carabiner, I'm like having people watch me at the top, like this is down, right? And then I'd get to the bottom and it would be undone. And that carabiner is now on my dog leash and <laughs> no longer goes into any canyons. Cause I don't know if it was just a failure in that particular carabiner or what was going on, but it, it's it happened. Like it definitely happens. Yeah. That, that was just, again, that was, Hey Ryan, check this out. <laughs> and, <laughs> What, during the Super Bowl, by the way. Oh, yeah. Was, Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> this is what rope nerds do on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, like, I would I, rather play with ropes than watch the Super Bowl. There was a game. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, like, we posted one. He's like, do that again. He posted it. And then the comments. I, I thought it was fun when somebody would say, oh, that would never happen with this carabiner. And I went, okay. Yeah. I got it. Every <laughs> single carabiner. <laughs> Pull that one up. Look at <laughs> oh, dude, wow. it, it, was, it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we've made so many people mad, and like the comment section was hilarious. And then, and then you had dares of the next thing, and so we just kept doing that. We spent, and we ended up spending hours doing this. Oh yeah, it was um, but we had. He ended up finding a quad locker, and we ended up posting it like the next day. Wow. And it's just like if you rub the rope, you know, like a, like a, a code. Like you're trying to like get into a safe. He's just, it'll open. And he, he practices is a lot, right? Like he, right. they're not always the first take. Well, and then he, and then of course it's work. a three second video. <laughs> and then I even started doing it at the gym. You know, that um, those auto belays with <laughs> triple auto lockers. I like rub it against my belay loop and pop it off. I'll tell you what, I check my carabiner every time I sit on those now. <laughs> For but sure. uh yeah. it's it's just it's it's interesting what's engaging to people a lot of this stuff for me is uh not just brake testing gear but it's a social science on what gets people to click i don't always do stuff for views i'll do stuff that's niche on niche like the canyon course is not about getting views it's yeah. it's uh it, making the information deeper in that specific area and yeah. so like that but i also have to work twice as hard then in order to put out videos that appeal to my audience to be like oh i didn't abandon you guys here's some carabiner brake tests like this is what yeah. you're usually here for and then like that's the sugar and then here's the broccoli and you just keep feeding them back and forth what what i think is actually beneficial to everyone versus i put out a video four days ago about monkey fist not passive pro for trad climbing just like this thing is like there's three rocks in czech republic that people climb and they put knots in the cracks and they like this is niche on niche on niche on niche on niche oh wow uh, Seventy thousand views in four days because it's interesting right yeah and, and i edited very tight so like i do that to as the fun stuff in the channel and then i'm like yeah. here's knots you need to know for big walling like yeah. nobody really wants to watch that honestly except the not people who want to correct you oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> i i oh, yeah. ended my butterfly knot video when i narrated it a few days ago with like you know tie your butterfly right don't you know don't tie it wrong just because we proved it's strong no matter how you do it in this video <laughs> yeah. um but 
go out and do something that gets your rocks off. And I was rock climbing. I'm like, dude, do something with the alpine butterfly. Don't just sit at home on the couch getting nerdy about it. Like, just right. relax, everyone. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great nod that you can use for so many things. Yeah, it's um interesting how it doesn't work. And I actually brought up canyoning in that video because I'm like, oh, yeah, if you pull hard enough, it'll if there's nothing clipped to it to isolate a core shot, for example. Yeah. And you pull on it tight enough, unless you've got a lot of friction on that rope, it actually like completely undoes itself like a slip knot, albeit yeah. at a high force. But if you have one of these super cords of these six millimeter Dyneema sheath, Dyneema core, slippery ropes, and you want to isolate the core, you better have a long tail or like a long loop to isolate that core. Yeah. Because that type of rope That's could possibly, through cyclic loading, come mm -hmm. undone. These, It's like you need to know the limits in order to know when to apply it or not. But if you got core shots in your six mil, gosh, that's gnarly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what you've been doing with your pull cord. <laughs> Uh, that, I'll add that. I'll add that to the test of the the super cords that we that want to do. Yeah, I want to add the alpine butterfly. Can you isolate a core shot with an alpine butterfly in Dyneema? Because Dyneema is yeah. known to be slippery, and you're not even supposed to tie knots in the twelve braided Dyneema. People uh, are oh, using oh, the three mil Dyneema for pull cords now, and that stuff when I cut it is so slippery and so I don't know. So we're we're actually uh brent's trying to put together a whole bunch of super cords to like to see like you're not supposed to tie knots in dyneema all of yeah. a sudden you make a sheath and core out of it and all of a sudden it's okay and he's just now oh because it's a rope like a normal rope yeah. and so so what happens when you tie a knot in these high-tech cords that have zero stretch what happens if you repel on them like like how what's that what's the friction modes like on these super cords um butterflies for example or um vt prospects do they work because like that's what we have on us right like all the, all the gear we have on us does it work on this this floss that we're trying <laughs> to repel on right and that's a that's a video that takes a lot of prep to pull like what do you want to test and then getting all of these ropes i think right. um um glacier black is coming out with one and so we want to include it when are they getting it and like so much coordinating goes into a break tom came out with one too i wonder if he would let me send you a length of that one to try it's called the slither i feel like it's oh. technorma and dyneema too i don't know yeah is it it's what it's a six mil no it's, it's eight but it's uh, um, Magnora and Dyneema, I think. Okay. I have heard of that one. Yeah, these mm. I was trying to... The smaller, like six mil ones? Six Five mil smaller uh, because it's People are actually repelling on those. I mean, we use them for yeah. pull cords and if you need to, but I so, would never want to need to. <laughs> right. Um, people are. People are. Mm. And this is what I'm this is my concern and why I want to do this testing was like, okay, how yeah. valid is how thin, of, no pun intended, how thin of a line are you making? And is, yeah. does it make sense? Like why carry a, why carry a pull cord that you can't use for anything else, but also yeah. why carry a entire second rope for just in case 
if one of these will work. But again, understanding proper use, time, and a place for this. Um, there are some people that I know that are using these fairly regularly. Um, and Canyon Equipment for you just put out a six mil cord. I've got I've got a large piece of that coming, but I got a piece here to test and play with. But they're all a lot of them are fairly made the same. A few different ones from Sterling, and the other thing I want to test is building anchors out of these for search and rescue even of like you know lighter weight systems and and then just like okay there's there all these things are out there what's the difference what one works like just one of the tests that I want to do is water weight like how much you're saving what's the difference well this one doesn't gain any what weight when it's wet because that's what I care about but it all is very difficult to work with all these other things so Brent will he'll spend all this time preparing like these tests in the better the videos like these will be really good videos because the preparations there are not just a brain fart that we're having which some <laughs> brain farts can actually be really good if they're like that's just a naturally good idea we're going to go with that but yeah. if you're trying to force something that's not prepared it's like i don't know showing up to a test you're not prepared you're going to get a c yeah. and so showing up and then he comes down to the lab and then <laughs> we're trying to iron out like how is best to do that like is it best to like work separately so like when i need a break he comes in and he tests his stuff versus well or can he do all of his water tests while i'm breaking other stuff because our lab time is usually only four or five days before we both have to come back here my lab is in california where i built it before i met andrea and moved yeah. up here but i only need to break stuff for five days to have three months of content so um now that we have the drop tower functioning it'll be interesting to see what else we can do for the canyon stuff but a well put together test like this can answer questions that manufacturers aren't going to touch with 10-foot pole even though they're putting out these really thin ropes and what bothers me is rope mbs or minimum breaking strength is the lowest it's likely to break in the best case scenario so they test around these big bollards these big diameter break test contraptions which yeah. gives you the full strength of the rope right and that's apples for apples for rope i mean a figure eight if you break stuff in a figure eight there's so much variation you can't really compare this rope to this rope so it's good for that but if that's the number you print on your rope and you're telling me this six mil rope is 20 kilonewtons strong and i tear it not break it tear it because that's how Dyneema works at 11 kilonewtons or eight, because you'll lose 70% of your strength if you tie on in Dyneema. Yeah. Seven kilonewtons is okay, but it's sure nice to know that. Right. I'm only putting on one when I repel. Some people might put on two, depending on how big they are or if they're repelling not smoothly. Yeah. But you still have a safety ratio but you don't want people to think they have 20. and so it's nice to be able to break test these in this real of a scenarios we can in the lab test the full thing with water because and then compare multiple brands against each other since um this is the nice part about not being sponsored is i don't care what rope you buy at the end right because I know that it takes a lot of work to put a product out to market. I've yeah. seen the process. Um, it's hard to run a business, it's hard to make, and everyone's trying to make good products. I don't know anybody that's just shysty. 
you know, like right. at the end of the day, they think the product's either super good enough or they think it's the best thing in the world. So um, it's not worth tearing anybody down, but we definitely like how the end user is going to use it, break it and show the dirty process of the brake test. Science is not clean. There's always either compromises or you have to isolate something down to make it not realistic anymore. And you're only able to break, let's say three, maybe five of something before your ADD kicks in and you're bored or you don't have enough rope or you're, it's dark, it's midnight. And right. <laughs> we're, it's, we're not trying to get a PhD on this stuff. We're not a certifying body. We're just trying to see and show like the rope tears. It keeps tearing between 11 and 13 kilonewtons. You might get an outlier, but we're in like, this is what's roughly going. So when people say it's not science, it's like, well, I'm not, a, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to demonstrate stuff. Yeah. And in, in, in show, in making videos, we show the process so you can understand the context of what we're doing and think for yourself. If people mm -hmm. want a sterile blog with a little chart and a graph of your spreadsheet, and that's all they look at and they don't understand how we tested it, they're not going to understand that rope. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's, I think it's really fun to explore these really nerdy things and not try to replicate what other people are doing. There's so much to explore. Right. Still, and canyoneering's pretty young. Just like slackline, like highlining is pretty young. Like all the mm. first highliners are, most of them are still alive. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, like it's been like- first Generation can, uh, canyoners to die off. <laughs> 10 years is if you're a 10 year old canyoneer you you're just you're you're og you're ancient you've been around since the beginning you know it's just like whoa i don't feel that way climbers, <laughs> climbers have been doing this like right. was climbing in the 50s yeah I mean, there's times I tell people, I'm like, Tom has been canyoneering my entire life. So that's why he has the opinions that he has, because he's been doing it for 40 years. He's seen some shit, right? Yeah. He comes from a place of knowledge. Um, it's maybe it's, a little arrogant. How yeah. like the sport, I'll ask people, when do you start? When do you start? When do you start? It's like, there's this 2013... 2014 magical time frame when highlining took off and okay. it seems like camping took off around that time um and then it like plateaus for a while don't know when the next part of the it jumps up i think when access is easier gear is yeah. easier more easier understood places like dingford are so like well bolted when they're mapped out and you have videos of how to go down the problem is we don't want them to go down with ATCs. We want them to go down with like a releasable system and do a proper. So right. how to incorporate that education on the internet at the same time of making easier access to these canyons is the goal, I guess. Right, 100%. Because there's gonna be another wave, whether it's five years or 20 years from now, where um, there'll be a lot more highliners, a lot more canyoneers. And I, I was just talking to a big wall friend of mine was like, oh, well, I, am, I am concerned putting out this big wall course is going to increase 
traffic on big walls in Yosemite and Zion if the access is easier and easier, the information to be access right. to the information. Um, yeah. So hopefully we can keep exploring nerdy stuff and yeah. that would be awesome. Just keep adding to the, <laughs> the collective knowledge for canyoning. For sure. That's my goal. Just keep people thinking more clearly out there, learn about new things that people may or may not know about. And, um, yeah, just let people have more fun, for sure. Yeah, I think the more people that contribute to like what we're doing on it, the more validity I think it can have. You know, Ryan said like it'd be great to hear some opposing opinions yeah. on some of this, but again, it's not a, it's a debate, not an argument. You know? Exactly. It's, no, exactly. Because if we help each other out, I mean, there's more than one really good chocolate chip cookie recipe, right? Which means there's more than one way to do things as long as you're like safe and they're not burnt and crispy and whatever. You have enough milk, like everything's good, right? Um, we don't yeah, need to tear right. people down. We need to build the community up for sure. Yeah, one of the instructors I had in a rescue course said, understand the capabilities and limitations. It's not about what's right and what's wrong. Exactly. So, you know, if like the thing, hardly any limitation or it's extremely limited, doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's, it's wrong. But if you don't understand what that is, it's like, can you use an ATC in canyons up here? Sure. People are doing yeah. it all the time. And there's not a stack of bodies out there, as I like to say. Right. But what are the limitations and are you prepared to deal with those limitations when they arise or yeah. are you just not going to learn and then, i do okay. know that the head of the search and rescue here in kane county uses an atc always but it's clipped to his carabiner with or to his harness with two carabiners and then he has a leg loop uh carabiner so he can add friction if he needs to and he knows how his device works in all of the scenarios that he needs to use it in, which is very valid. People learning to use an ATC that have never been on a 300 foot rappel and don't understand the changes in the friction as you're going down that far, that's where the problems come in. And not yep. being able to add friction um, as you need to. And also weight has a lot to do with it too. A smaller person's going to do better on an ATC than a bigger person. If you weigh 300 pounds, that's going to be a completely different scenario than if you weigh 100 pounds on an exactly. ATC and a 300 foot rappel. So, absolute capabilities and limitations. And that's where if you start looking at things through that lens, I think we'll have a lot less arguments. Exactly. It, it's it's um, rare for me to find people that will clearly articulate their point of view without feeling like it won't either be heard or just be it's you know like a well put together debate where everyone gets you know 10 minutes to talk or whatever um i like having ideas that don't agree with me on my own channel yeah. or or shared space with brent because it helps people think it does uh, a lot of there's there's a few people out there that don't like the channel because i i leave a lot of videos open-ended it's like you saw what happened do what you want you know yeah. and <laughs> we did a wet rope but video. again i feel like you're not um, trying to educate people you're trying to just um show 
a specific point of view or a specific technique and then let them make up their own minds to it. So I feel like if that's a good limitation of your gear. You can, you know, when you get to the edge of the limitation, right. And you can yeah. break every single rule. I, I love one of my art forms is breaking the rules and it's, um, but you have like, I, I'm going to rope swing in eight days, hanging on to an ascender attached <laughs> to my main rope line, just to show that a rope's not going to desheath under three kilonewtons and that you can hang on to a rope jump and just break like to rope jump on an ascender sounds yeah. crazy. And it's demonstrated. If you know the rules, like a pro, you can break them like an artist, but you never want to shock load an ascender. Right. Even if it holds, you're going to break your back. Like it depends how much ropes mm -hmm. in the system. So, right. but you're not supposed to like ropes break lower when they're wet says the packaging. And then I met canyoneers. <laughs> so we tested like you're literally afraid to rappel. If you only have read this online, you've never done more research than just, oh no, my rope's weaker when it's wet. Oh, Dan Osman, he probably died because his rope was wet when he rope swinged. These are the legends that go around in climbing. And <laughs> you're just like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And so we end up breaking quite a few because I don't want to go against the packaging if if I don't want to be wrong. Like that's like the right. opposite of helpful. Yeah. But I'm just like, no, there's too many scenarios where people are using ropes wet. Yeah. Yeah. Now, no one's who's lead climbing. And taking whippers on wet rope, like uh, that's where you're going to see the most force. People climbing an index, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like if you're on the propelling or ascending, it's like wow, like just don't worry about it. And then yeah. you go down a canyon and like, for a second, everything's wet, and it's fine. <laughs> and, and it really opened my eyes doing something in such a different environment up here on just you don't tie a knot in the end of your rope all your ropes are wet you don't equalize your bolts you're just not blocking one of them you're just like it, it's just so different <laughs> with all the same equipment is and and i really like some people like you know use the atcs i've always done that climbing mm -hmm. but i really like how the palacoa you can just add you just add and add and add and add until you feel like the dental floss is gonna hold because <laughs> you know, sometimes oh but you know that that's what what we had pure line i think with us and we ended up repelling a short section because that's the rope we had they're taking for we ended up repelling on the six mil rope right and you're just like what and it, you did one or two extra wraps and you're like i could get behind this huh. and so it's interesting what rules you can break. And I'm thinking now, can I repel off of like these 2000 foot climbs where you're like, I don't want to bring another rope yeah. with dental <laughs> flop, yeah. but you have to understand abrasion, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Which we're going to do for that. <laughs> we, That's crazy. Want, yeah. Yeah. Not only is it, <laughs> you know, it's dynamic sheets. So it's, you know, at least it's small and slippery. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my favorite. Dyneema has a lower melting point. Be careful. And you're like, yeah, it's so slippery. You can't generate the heat. Right. You just like you rub stuff on it all day long. It doesn't have enough friction to create the right. heat. So you're like, it's all 
net neutral at the end. You just, that would be a fun <laughs> demonstration. It, uh, well, we got a, a thermometer. Um, I want to say, uh, Matthias, from Canyon Equipment for you, he did a test, thermal imaging test. And that what he found was that the dynamic sheath ropes, yes, there was this concern of uh, the lower melting point, but they didn't generate the heat on the repel devices. Yeah. And the ones that I've used, I can attest to that. My device does not get as hot as, let's say, a polyester sheath rope that you do a 300-foot repel on gets really hot. But if it does get hot and you mm. don't sit still, now you're going to damage your rope. Again, capabilities and limitations, where are you at? So it'd be good to know some of those some of those boundaries are at. I'm going to pay yeah. more attention to that with what rope I'm using to see. Because I do know <laughs> the Canyon Fire gets really hot on those long repels. Uh, fire. So, yeah. <laughs> That's why <laughs> the Canyon Arrow is even more hot. <laughs> I don't use it anymore. <laughs> I had, both of those uh, have a have a heavy polyester sheath. I'm not sure. Yeah, they are polyester. I, and I think they're all polyester. Nylon, maybe. Yeah. 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 Uh, those are the ones that I've noticed get hot when I don't when I don't have my water cooled systems running on them. <laughs> yeah. And the slither is very, very fast, but I can't remember if it gets hot or not. I'll have to pay attention to that. It's the Dyneema one. It's a lot smoother. For sure. Yeah, I'm fortunate to actually be living up here now because um, I'm still like an hour and a half from Brent. But like when we have a plan well put together, like we can get together for a weekend and crush just so much content out or he comes down to the lab for three days and just we we knock so much stuff out um i do try to balance the content to be an a somewhat even amount between the four sports the climbing content's what definitely makes the channel grow mm -hmm. and then the others uh highlining is still like my like it's why i started so i want to finish like that highline rigging anchors course i want to do and rope swing course but um yeah it's fun it's fun how curious Brent is with stuff and he, and he knows what's, he knows what's out there already being tested. And it's nice to supplement what's being tested instead of just creating everything from scratch. So, um, or do, doing stuff that people have already done. I do find that my tests, if we end up doing something that other people have done, we can come up with very different results. And that's, I think also valuable. Um, just the not pro uh the textile passive placements that we did on the video i posted four days ago people are like oh that test has already been done these were the results and i looked it up it was done in 1997 everyone treats it as if it's gospel and there's <laughs> so many flaws in it i pointed out the flaws and i'm like if these guys made a video showing you how it was done you would disregard everything they said However, what they did was also a lot of work and super helpful as a piece of a puzzle for you to understand the whole thing. Just like right. my thing in Real Rock is also helpful, but doesn't tell you the whole story. So you get like two, three, four, five of these, you'll understand Textile Pro and in these monkey fists. But it's funny when people think one 20 break test graph is all you need to understand something 
when I'm getting vastly different results. I can't tell you how many times Slackline companies have given me gear and I pull on it or just use it. And they've said, that's never happened before. What did you do? Like I had the plates split apart. I've had the pins on these web locks I to bend. And they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, why are you not letting me test your products before you make a thousand of them? Right. I'm really good at breaking things on accident. It's really good at not following instructions. I don't read the instructions <laughs> because no one else is. It's crazy. Right. Nobody reads instructions. And, and Brent's read all the manuals. And Brent's trying to write more manuals. So it ends up being like a really nice mix. Nobody reads the manual. They just watch the YouTube video. Come on, Brent. <laughs> right? Yeah. As, as, as I'm on uh, Canyon USA looking up the slither right now and reading all about it. <laughs> oh, you are? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm like, so, you know what? Uh, my yeah, problem is uh, I'll read it five times and still not remember when I have a conversation about it tomorrow. So uh, that's what Tom Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited uh, about uh, what we're going to break. Well, cool. So if people want to send you some things to break or just want to reach out and ask you questions or join your Patreon, how can they do that? Hownotto.com has all of uh, our information. If they go into the Canyon course inside of the courses, they get ropes. Brent's email, I think, is in there now. Um, if we're going hey, to break somewhere, I got an email. <laughs> if What's your email? Break Brent? Something, Brent is the guy who decides what we're going to break next as he's putting together like what's going to be the most interesting and like can be compatible with what we're doing um so yeah uh email brent or message me through the hownotto.com website my email is ryan at slackline.com if that's just if people want something direct but there's usually a path in which works better and I'll what respond is, in one day or six weeks. I'm not sure. It depends where I'm <laughs> you so much like me. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, you how try to you stay on top of your emails, and as soon as you start slipping and there's 10 in there, you're like, ah, I'll get to those later. And pretty soon there's 20 and then 30 and right. then 40. And then all the stupid junk email just jumps in there, and you try to have one that's no, not yeah, email related. That's after I anyway. cut out the junk. <laughs> when I'm done cutting out the junk, there's always like six that I'm like, oh, I need to either respond or do something with. And you never want to treat an email like a to-do list. You want to like, you right. put it on the calendar and get rid of the email. Like, <laughs> but it's easier said than done. For sure. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that, Brent? I would say Facebook. If you don't use Facebook, um, I was trying to see what contact I put. Uh, they can shoot me an email at uh, whitewaterpirate, all one word, at gmail.com. Awesome. Okay, I normally have a bunch of questions that I ask everybody at the end, but I feel like we have rambled on a lot. <laughs> Two major things that I want to know. Number one, favorite in-canyon snack. Number two, is there any safety advice you would like to leave our listeners with before you say goodbye? Uh, I'll go first. Favorite in Canyon snack, definitely Snickers bars. Ryan has learned this trick. I stuff them up my sleeves in my wetsuit and I got them tucked away. Ooh, uh, and then they stay cold. 
Yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, uh, and when they don't get cold, I just eat a mushy. Um, yeah, they get he warms them up with his with his arm heat. But my favorite snack is Brent Snickers bars. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> you don't have to carry them. They're all good. The, the best safety advice is to go watch all of our canyon videos on how not to. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, you should watch that. I would say going going back to what I said before, understand the capabilities and limitations, not just of your equipment, but of yourself and actually what you're doing. Like hubris, is, I think, is what will kill more people than anything else, particularly in this sport of the thought I, you think you know what you're doing because you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. So go out, learn, invest some time. Don't take our word for it. Uh, that's what we try to provide as many different resources and make your own capable dis decisions. That is very well said. Um, I really love the series that you guys are doing. I'm going to watch the rest of them um, for sure. I like how comical you guys are, but also um, instilling like some safety measures and some common sense. It's, I really like that a lot. So keep it up. One last thing, uh, the, the, um, the course that we made was I find that the banter is way more natural when we're both talking to each other on camera rather than as soon as one person stands in front of the camera by themselves, they stiffen up, they get serious. And Brent's a really funny guy, but then he goes into this teacher mode. And I'm like, no, 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 it's, this content's already kind of boring. We need it to be pretty funny. <laughs> so, what do you mean? <laughs> so, yeah, this, this like, so yeah, you got this like newish guy kind of hosting this show and then he's answering all these questions. And it actually, some people liked it and some people didn't, but that's why is it's way more conversational this way. Just like the podcast mm -hmm. is way more conversational than some highly edited sterile thing. And it's like this hybrid version of like a course. Yeah, I feel like maybe that's what I liked about it was that it did come off more as a conversation and less of a, this is what you need to do. And, you know, but you also were very educational about it. So I found it really, really awesome. I hope everybody else likes it too. Thanks. Well, yeah. check out the website. Um, that That is huge. I'm so glad that, that it's up and running. And every it's video months, has its own nine months making like the new website. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's That's every impressive. video has a blog. So we, we've been able to add a lot of content to that of uh, mm -hmm. afterthoughts and whatnot. So again, going after those learning styles, understanding that everybody learns differently. We're trying to provide as many pathways to your learning style as we can. And the, the website has really done that. So pretty happy That's awesome. very cool well thank you very very much for coming on the show and talking about your project yeah thanks for having us yeah for sure the canyons are calling we should probably go yeah right all right well thank you very much to ryan jinks and brent roth for taking their time to come on and talk so much about their projects and the things that they break and the fun canyons that they do and all the things that they have in store for the future. If you have not yet checked out their video series, it's hownotto.com. It's hownot2.com. And then you'll see where it says courses, and then you'll find where it has the Roadwork Canyoning course. 
and all of the information that Brent has put together and the videos that they both worked on. There is a ton of information. These guys have worked really hard on this. So check it out. And yeah, be safe out there. I'm not going to take up any more of your time because this one has been a really long one. So have a great day. The Canyons are calling. I gotta go.